everybody. Um, welcome to episode 154 of the Meet the Filmers podcast with me, Ben Eagle. Yes, it is the Jubilee weekend, um, or at least it's at least now when we're recording. And um, I cannot thank my guest enough for doing this now, given um, he's, he's, he's working in dairy anyway, so he hardly gets much time off anyway. So uh, the thought of him spending it with me is uh, I, I'm, is massively privileged. So <laughs> thank you, Andy. Andy Farrow is on the show. Um, Andy is a dairy film manager from near Shrewsbury, um, who'd learned his trade in New Zealand. Um, they're milking 240 crossbreds, which we're going to hear about, uh, spring calving. Andy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, how are you well, doing this Jubilee weekend? Morning, Ben. Yeah, did, didn't get the invite from the Queen, so <laughs> uh, that's one with you. Just as oh. good, I think. She, she she said no today, so I, I had to get you in instead. <laughs> um, no, very well, thanks. Yeah, uh, let's uh, let's start with the farming bit. Um, tell us about the herd and, and how many how many you're, so you're, you're, you're milking two forty, um, but tell us a bit about the herd. Yeah, milk, milking two forty. Uh, yeah, permanent pasture across two hundred and fifty five acres. Um, very much a, a low input, low output sort of system. We feed primarily just try and milk as much as we can off grass. Um, the cows really only get about four to 500 kilos of corn through the parlour. A little bit of fodder beet uh, at calving time just to get the positive energy balance. But yeah, just try to get as much milk off forage as possible, really. Um, we're organic and PWAB, which is produced without antibiotics, selling to Omsco. Yeah. Let's talk about Omsco actually first. Um for, for for anyone who's uh, who's maybe producing conventionally, um, is there anything different about Omsco in terms of what what they're looking for? What are the standards that you have to meet? Yeah, so obviously ordinary organic. I hate using the ordinary organic because that sounds such a okay. throwaway comment. Yeah, yeah. But um, so they're obviously they can't use insecticides and uh, artificial fertilizers, pesticides, things like that. Um, with Omsco, from the 1st of April this year, they went PWAB, so all their producers are antibiotic-free. As we run the ordinary organic sort of way, uh, it starts from colostrum control. We find that is the key for us, um, making sure that four kilo, four, four litres of colostrum gets into those calves. They, they, they recommend from six to nine hours after calving, but we do it within the hour, and I think that is key to make sure that the cow and the calf has got the best immunity, really, for the rest of its life. But apart from that, say we can't use antibiotics. We're allowed to use uh, anti-inflammatories and hormones and stuff, still with a pretty steep uh, withdrawal period. Um, so that, that it, it can be uh, quite costly in throwing away milk. But yeah, I mean, I think having the low stress uh, way of farming, um, we, we, put, we have to put very much more uh, preventative rather than cure if you like yeah, um, yeah. so we're very much focused on preventing the problem before it starts so in a lot of um concrete sleeper tracks very hot on uh condition scoring making sure the feet um we have very low mastitis anyway um and our cell count today was 111 um that was every cow in the tank that's just not discarding any 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 milk um, so yeah, it's very much looking at the cow, making sure that they're they're uh, uh, working as best they can, uh, and not pushing them too hard. Low yeah. stress, as I said. What's the TB situation like in, in Shropshire? Hit and miss. Um, we've been we're, we're not too bad. We've only had one breakdown in the five years we've been here. Um, down south, 
towards where South Shropshire, where my owner of the farm is, Tim. Um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty bad. It's not the best. <laughs> they have, we have had a badger coal across the, across the Shropshire. Yeah, it's not, I don't think it's a pretty picture. Um, so talking of health and fertility, obviously you talked a lot of prevention there. Um, mm -hmm. What are the kinds of things that you're doing um, or not doing um, to, 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 to monitor um, herd health and fertility? Yeah, so the, the main one we've got is um, an affy milk collar, which every cow has got. Um, that's mainly fertility. Um, that that will read a bit like they they the way they describe it to me. It's a bit like the Wii, you know, the computer game, the Wii. It tracks movement basically, so it can give. <laughs> that is, and it, that is yeah. such a good way of describing it. <laughs> <laughs> layman's terms, so it tracks <laughs> movement, um, and it'll give an increase in activity or decrease in activity. So obviously, there's an increase in activity. They're either bullying or they've broken out and they're running down the road uh, or, or, or a decrease in activity, which means that they could obviously have a problem. They're not eating. It does eating and rumination as well. So that's key. Um, and then it gives me a list of cows every day, the ones bullying or the ones that are possibly sick uh, and need looking at. So that's a really good indicator. Um, other than that, we do quarterly uh, locomotion and um, condition scoring across the herd. Um, and then obviously Yoni's testing as well. A typical day for you on the farm? What does it look like? There's only two full-time members of staff. So we run a pretty lean farm. Um, lean, that it seems to be a quite a, a popular thing now, running a lean farm. It has to be really. <laughs> is that, is um, that just another way of saying you can't get enough stuff? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. No, no. We, we, we like the farm is pretty. Uh, it is pretty low maintenance. So yeah. I, I'd like to say we don't. We try to concentrate on what we're good at, um, um, and then what we're not good at, like tractor work. I don't like tractor work too much. <laughs> I leave it to contractors. Yeah. So slurry, slurry, muck, silaging, all of that is done by contractors. Yeah. Uh, we concentrate on the cows. Um, we all of our herd gets in calf to Angus okay. and we sell our Angus calves are two weeks old and they go to a national trust farm down in Oxfordshire um, and they they finish them for Waitrose okay so uh, we don't we don't produce our own offspring uh, the, so there's two farms I didn't explain that um, so Tim Downs who owns the farm he's got another farm 18 miles south of uh, south of this farm and he rears all my replacements okay. Right. Yeah, because right. I, so I, 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 I was wondering, I, I knew about the, the connection with Tim, but I didn't know how it sort of worked. Yeah. So, so, so we, we, so this is just purely a grazing block. Uh, all our, all of our cows are put into to beef, um, which is great if we're TB free, which we have been most of the time. We did have a shutdown a couple of years ago. Um, and yeah, we had uh, over 200 calves here um, for a few extra months, which was a bit of a nightmare. Um, we're not really set up for that. Um, but luckily we came clear and we managed to move the cars off pretty swiftly. So that was good. Um, so, yeah, going back to the replacements, the replacement heifers, they come back on farm um, just before they're housed. So, I don't know, late October time, um, they're housed and then they're, they're, um, they're here for a long enough period that uh, they settle down before calving in February. Okay. So day to day running, I mean, this time is a, we're a spring calving block like to keep a nice tight block um you know sprint we're carving the first 12 weeks of the year 
uh, from February. Um, now we're in the serving period. Um, we had a pretty, we've had a pretty good. We're just just coming out. Well, about the fourth fourth week of serving, um, we had ninety four submission rate in the first three weeks, um, which is good because we can concentrate on the cows. Um, we're not distracted by silaging and stuff like that. You know, we can put all of our effort into where we think we could, what we're good at. Yeah. Um, and then, so the first six months is pretty hectic in the year. Um, once all the cows and calf, it's pretty much downhill, which is, it, it runs in line about a six weeks holiday, which gives me enough time then to start paying back with the family and having a bit of time off with them. Um, and then and then snowballing towards Christmas, um, which is always a bit of a quiet time. So yeah, in the first, up to up to about the school holidays, we're pretty pretty flat out. But then after that, it's downhill then. Yeah, so it's just quite a, quite a typical New Zealand system, to be honest. Okay, um, and in terms of your milk, um, what mm-hmm. what are you looking looking for in terms of fat content, that kind of stuff? Uh, yeah, we do we do try and keep the fat content higher. So it's a crossbred farm, uh, crossbred herd. We've got. We don't know. We don't. We we did have a few Holsteins, but they've weeded themselves out. <clears throat> so yeah, we do get paid for constituencies. Um, so we've got a few Jersey crosses, but short horns. Okay. Uh, we've got Norwegian red, Frisian. So it's quite a, quite a pretty herd to look at. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Um, I was going to say, we, everyone, if you actually look at, um, if, if you take a look at Andy's um, Andy's Instagram, actually, yeah, you get a good um, you get a good idea of that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we're looking for more durable cow. In you know, being the antibiotic-free, we're looking for a cow that's good on its legs. The, the short horns probably put a bit, they look after themselves a bit too well, put a bit too much flat flesh on the back. But so we're looking for a durable cow that's low maintenance. Um, yeah, nothing that's going to work too hard. I and mean, we're looking for you know sustainability. We want these cows to be sticking around for a long while. Yeah. Um, so that that's the plan with that. Um, yeah, something a, a bit on a. Uh... The organic milk sector generally i suppose because um yeah. i mean organic is it always sees it's gone through ups and downs um over the tip but then it seems generally has actually seen some quite significant growth from 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 your point of view are you, are you sort of confident about the future of organic in terms of milk yeah i mean the way i look at or the, the way i see organic and what the consumers see the um it's all what you i'll be at the checkout and i'll see the the person next to me and I'd, I'd question them saying like oh you've okay. got organic got organic milk and stuff and they said oh yeah it's from a kids um and then that they people tend to buy a lot of organic stuff for their children uh that's that's quite a common yep. trend i found they get older they're not you know some people are not too worried about what they drink um but they're very we, we you know if we've young parents um organic seems to be very strong in their mindset that it is healthier um so that's that's quite a nice uh, nice thing to be involved with really with conventional farming um they've done leaps and bounds to be honest with the way they've been farming i mean they they didn't really do much favors probably 10 15 years with blanket treatments and stuff but last the last 10 years conventionally farms and i think it's it's made organic farms work harder to to bridge okay. that gap um and 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 yeah so i suppose now now we've probably got over the antibiotic problem because a lot of conventional farms are you know they selected dry calf therapy and stuff like that um we're looking more to do with carbon you know that seems to be the big one um you know separate separate things saying you know we, we're trying to graze cows and I know, I know conventional farms do that as well um and really play on the environmental 
string if you like um and that's so i, I think there's always going to be a place for organic absolutely so this is a perfect time did you know the um i should know it off the top of my head do you know the date for down to earth oh 15th of june oh there we are I say uh, this is actually the perfect time, guys, to give a, a shout out to the, the Down to Earth event, um, which is happening on the 15th of June. Google that. I don't know whether there's still tickets available. I'm sure there probably are. Um, there probably is still space if you wanted to get involved. Yeah, in that. there is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but do check that out if you are a livestock person. Um, and that's that's fairly it's fairly near to you, actually, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, we you say, say 18 miles south of here. So I know Tim's drastically pressure washing and streaming and <laughs> <laughs> yeah i bet he is oh, it'll, it will it's such a good idea and i'm sure it'll be it'll be a really great day um talking of uh talking of doing lots of stuff you are you are quite a lean team um but do, do you get do you get much time off it's it's, it's always um, a, it's always one of those questions you ask a dairy farmer it's like is that even a thing <laughs> we do i've got a good team and say so there's two full-time and then there's one um a boy that comes in old boy that comes in you, you love me saying that um <laughs> and he comes on a saturday sunday morning and, and helps out uh, as far as time off y- yes i do get time off my son plays for two football teams yeah. my other son he's into fishing my daughter's into gymnastics okay so, so lots, lots of faring about yeah yeah <laughs> i'm lots just taxi, taxi service on my day off <laughs> let's talk a bit more about you um yeah where did you grow up and and do you have a farming background at all well well we're fellow essex boys i don't know if you realize are we that. i didn't I mean i sort of picked it up i sort of <laughs> picked it up but i didn't know that oh great say oh we can we, we can now just talk about we can talk about so I was born, the rest of the time yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so south end on sea is where i was born okay. um didn't spend a lot of time there really um but i moved closer and closer towards east london as i grew up okay um i primarily spent a lot of time in a little town called east tilbury yep which is it's right on the thames estuary yeah uh, opposite gravesend so, so i spent a lot of time there my upbringing was not agricultural. There's not much agricultural around there, to be honest. Um, there's, it's quite industrial. Uh, most people ventured into London to work. Um, London was only 20 minutes on the train. Uh, and career advice at school was pretty poor. And I've always enjoyed animals or sport. There were the two things thought was a youngster that I'll do, either animals or, or sport. Um, and I used to love going to... Any day out, I went to the zoo with my parents. You know, I loved okay. going to the zoo. Um, but I quite quickly realised that there wasn't a job in that. Um, you can't really get up close and yeah, stroke I a still, I still don't know how you become a zookeeper. It's like, yeah. how, how do you get that job? <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I realised that it wasn't, it wasn't sustainable and that wouldn't be the career I went down. At college, I did leisure and tourism. I was a lifeguard. Um, and I did that. And then when I was 17, I started volunteering on an outdoor centre um, in East London. So right. climbing, kayaking. Um, and that was really good because it was a voluntary scheme for a year until I was 18. And then the hours I hours I worked, I got paid back in courses. So I did yeah. archery courses, powerboat courses and stuff like that. Um, cool. So. So that was pretty fun. Um, and then I did that. So once I turned 18, I did that for about four or five more years. 
Um, and I really enjoyed it. I got a lot out of that working with disability groups, autistic groups. They were fantastic. Yeah. Really, it's just, really, it's really interesting. That. You're actually the second person on the podcast. Nikki Yoxall is the other one who got into farming through a roundabout route through sort of outdoor, yeah, sort of outdoor right. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So the only bit of uh, farming I ever did, if you can class it this, was uh, reversing power boats in with a tractor. So <laughs> that that was it. <laughs> yeah. So that's where I met my wife. So we, we were there and we we looked at moving to Chester and Shropshire. Um, we got engaged and we were only, Leanne was 19, I was 22. Um, and then we saved up a good chunk of money and we realised that we really should probably flex our wings a bit and go travelling. Okay. Um, so so we put our CV on the internet on a, it was just a general job site on in New Zealand. Um, and two jobs came, either fruit picking or dairy farming. So dairy farming just sounded a challenge. It sounded exciting. Um, and it was a 950 cow farm uh, on the Canterbury Plains. And I knew nothing about farming. And I'm honestly, Ben, I thought I was milking them by hand. That's what, that's all I thought. I thought, geez, yeah. that's going to take me all day to milk them. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we, we jumped right into the hot seat, really, and moved, went to New Zealand uh, and landed on this 950 cow dairy farm. Wow. Um, and it was the hardest thing I've ever done. It was in, it was impressive. And I remember, I remember turning up and uh, the first person I met was after the owners was this guy who was Swiss. Okay. And when he turned up at the farm, he'd never farmed before and he didn't speak English. Wow. And I thought, well, if he can do it, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm one step ahead. <laughs> I can I'm at least do the English bit. Exactly. <laughs> so I thought, right. I got I got a good good step here, so that, that so yeah we went for it and we was eight months on that farm um, and it was hard. I mean it was a fifty bale rotary. Um, we was milking for for nearly ten hours a day. It was wow. it was relentless. Yeah, it, it was relentless. Blimey. Yeah. And Did then, they pay then, you? Um, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it was pretty good. Like we got a little cottage. Um, we got all our meat free. And it was six days on, two days off. So our okay. two days, we just ventured around. Uh, we bought a little camper van. Um, yeah, and we just did a bit of touring while we were living there. So we was there for eight months. So eight months, and then that paid for our wedding, which was in Fiji. Wow. That is incredible, isn't it? So that was just a complete life change, which yeah. none of the stuff you've done since would have happened happened then. So, So you then got married. I yeah. it, did, if, did you then go back to New Zealand or did you come back to the UK? Yeah, so I think if we if we just come back from the UK, I wouldn't have farmed again. I just thought okay. that was, it was a very much a factory farm, but it was good. I'm pleased to experience it because when we went back to New Zealand, <clears throat> we went to another farm, which was uh, just but was in a little town called Murchison, which is about two hours south of Nelson in the South Island. Okay. Um, and the farm was in a, a place called the Tutaki Valley um and it was incredible it was very mountainous very you know very uh, picturesque beautiful place the parlor was built by the farmer and his dad um out of scrap metal <laughs> and it was a rotary which is impressive they were very good kiwi engineering that is incredible it was uh, how they built it um but it was amazing and I spent wow. I spent four months on that farm um, and 
I, I, that's where I fell in love with farming. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. And then you came back to the UK. We came back just before Christmas. Um, and then I walked into a job centre in East London and asked for a dairy farm job. <laughs> um, and you should have seen the look. And like, <laughs> They were like, oh, okay. Yeah, so it's, um, it's, it's bad enough asking just in, anywhere in the southeast, let alone in London. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think they were that. I think I was the only one ever to ask that. So there was two farms, um, one in Shropshire, Longna, uh, with Tim. Um, and I wanted to try farming in England, really. And after travelling, I wasn't really worried. I mean, England's so small when you compare it to other places, but you think it's so big when you don't travel. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. so strange. And then, so I wasn't worried. I mean, I would have gone on to the Shetland Islands. You know, it really didn't bother me where I went. Yeah. Um, but just so happens, probably my parents are happy I didn't end up on the Shetland. <laughs> but so, yeah, so it, was, it was one up in, uh, it wasn't Sirencester. It was Harrogate, Harrogate and Shrewsbury. Oh. Okay. Um, we looked I mean, at both I mean, farms. Both, both nice places. Oh, yeah, exactly. Tim's farm, really, he was very pro-New Zealand. He spent a lot of time in New Zealand. Uh, and I think that probably helped me get the job because okay. um, I came with just a bit of experience. I mean, and um, it was a herdsman's job, um, not even a herdsman's assistant. So I, I probably was wow. probably punching a little bit above my weight. Um, but he obviously had, uh, you know, he obviously saw potential in me. So that was encouraging. Yeah. Um, and I joined Tim's farm um, and that was uh, 16 years ago. Blimey. Wow. So it's a long time. That's a lot. That's a lot of milkings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I was, yeah, so I was Tim's herdsman for 10 years at Longner. And then five years ago, uh, I remember going on holiday to Ibiza with the family I came back and he said, oh, I bought a farm. I was like, oh, and it, it was pretty, pretty like sudden. I don't Blimey. think he really was expecting to even get it. So <laughs> that was quite funny. Anyway, so they asked me to manage the farm. And okay. so I've been, been at Tim's 10 years and I was ready for a move. Yeah. I was ready for a change. Yeah, I was ready yeah. for a step up. Um, so yeah, five, well, five and a half years ago, we moved to Webster. Oh, fantastic. Um, so, I mean, just, just pausing a minute on getting into the industry, new entrants, obviously not everyone's going to go to New Zealand, um, no. but uh, your your routine is, is definitely one getting experience in, in that way. It's something we, we go on and on about on the Kite podcast in, in, in dairy, especially yeah. getting get, getting entrance in is, is tough at the moment. So from your point of view, um, what more do you think that dairy could do to, to make working in dairy attractive for new entrants? For me and how I see it and how what, what I'd like to do is just going forward is being good ambassador for, for dairy, connecting with young people early. I think that is key. If I connected with a farmer when I was in junior school, maybe, or, or senior school and went onto a farm, um, it definitely would have made me think, oh, this is a possible career choice for me. Yep. Um I, I've done a few careers days already uh, this year. Um, back in January, I went into uh, a senior school in Shrewsbury. And it's shocking. And we're only in Shrewsbury. I mean, not even, you know, Birmingham or Manchester. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's surprising how many young people have no idea about farming or dairy farming. Um, and it's right on their doorstep. Um, so connecting with young people, Open Farm Sundays, 
inviting we have beaver groups on the farm we have the cubs um we've had football teams come uh, and do farm tours um and I, for me that it's got to start it's education 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 starting with the young showing them that you know not horrible people because i think social media has tarnished us with this brush that we're uh, we're not the nicest and we're grumpy uh, we're always moaning and it, it, you know it's tr- trying to be a good ambassador for me yeah yeah i mean i can tell you listeners as well i think andy's had the biggest smile on his face throughout all this so yeah definitely <laughs> definitely not against that stereotype uh, but been on on the sort of opening up front and an open farm sunday for example mm. um as as a dairy farm as a stock farm uh, there are a lot of farmers out there um who it's about the a, a the biosecurity question and and b i suppose just the general security question um about being yeah. slightly slightly more wary about doing those kinds of things what would you say to those farmers i suppose with our farm we've got a public bridleway that runs straight through the middle of my farm and at first i thought that was a curse I thought that's going to be a nightmare, but I tell you, but I tell you, it's brilliant because it makes you an honest farmer. Yep. It, it it makes you, you know, it makes you look at the farm as a consumer, and that that has been it's fantastic because we farm. I'm farming as a consumer, really, rather as a farmer. That's and interesting. Day, the consumer is number one. Um, without them, we we'll never we won't be able to 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 move forward. I mean, the biosecurity is always a risk. Um, I don't think even as farm so <laughs> argument um, if uh, if that was the only excuse to have a group of school kids on your farm. Security, yeah, it's always a worry. As I said, we've got that pup right away. We've done what we can. We've got CCTV. Um, we're off the beaten track, which is nice. So we, yep. we're, we are quite lucky with our location. But if someone wants to find your farm and cause trouble, they'll find it. So, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, you know, as best will in the world, I think the biggest the biggest defence is offence for me, going back to the sport analogy. Um, if, if you hide away, I think people think you've got stuff to hide. If you're open and upfront and honest, people yeah. will never won't look at you that much. What about from the getting into the industry point of view? So you're not from a farming background. Perhaps someone isn't from a farm background or perhaps they are from a farm background but from a different sector and say say, say they're from an arable farming background and they're, they're, they're more interested in stock but they don't feel like they have enough or any experience is that an issue oh not at all absolutely not um we've had a young lad this year he's um he's come on farm and he's been doing two days a week um and i think just put yourself out there contact a farm and and offer to do voluntary work because yep. I tell you what, farmers will not say away to no free labour, <laughs> you know, and that that is the best way to learn. I mean, I've had, uh, I've lost count of how many young people I've had in the parlour, just just getting to just to observe first of all. Once That's they great. feel confident, they can dip a cow. Once they feel more confident, they can put a unit on. Just contact a farm, and I'm sure go on facebook and things like that instagram i mean it's it's impossible now not to find somewhere or you know or, or find somebody in the industry and they'll lead you in the right direction I mean, yeah. especially in, in shropshire there's so many people you know sales people walk into your agricultural shop i bet they know a handful of farmers that'll give their number not a problem at all yeah no great yeah great tips there talking of instagram i was looking at your instagram account um you're, in, you're into your cold water stuff. You're into your Wim Hof. 
Well, yes. Um, this was, yeah, this <laughs> when, started, when did that start and how? Well, so it was probably 18 months ago. I suffered really bad with sciatica. Okay. Um, that's where it started. Um, and I was really contemplating, can I do this? I mean, I was, I'm, I'm 39 now. And I was contemplating, I can't do this for the rest of my life. Oh, I was wow. in so much pain, Ben. Um, and it wasn't sustainable. And um, that sort of led me down this tunnel of healing and trying to figure out how I could be sustainable for myself in this industry. Um, Because I didn't want to give it up. I love what I do, but I was dragging my leg around most days and I was in so much pain. And yeah, I mean, I don't know where the industry came from. I've done a lot of running done a lot of half marathons um yeah. i dub mud runs um yeah. um so i i, I could do i used to do a lot a um, lot of running um but then i came to the farm here webster and that was unsustainable because i was so busy yeah <laughs> so so i visited a, a physio um and he said that my left glute was quite weak um so that set me off in the gym um and i set myself a training program to to strengthen myself um okay. and then the cold water plunging sort of spiraled a little bit at that trying okay. to um and it like cold water plunge um it's good for your central nervous system it's good for your muscles um so that's where it sort of started and uh, yeah so uh, i don't really do it too much this sort of year because my late I, I, I could be proactive and put ice in and stuff like that yeah. but I, I usually do it really um the back end of the year so i, I don't know if you see me instagram right. it's an old it's an old trough yeah that i did pressure wash yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i think the, the coldest i got in was minus 10 wow uh, well yeah. yeah you're doing it good and proper because i yeah i do the cold showers but i have thoughts like Oh, you sh- you really should do it with the plunge pool way, shouldn't you? Because that's yeah. that's the way of doing it, good and proper. They they do say that there is more benefit with plunging. Um, yeah. So the 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 thing the cold was minus ten, and I had to take a sledgehammer to the ice on top wow. before I got in. And it's not for long. It's it, it's it's two minutes. So okay. Um, and that's yeah, long you enough. come out road red. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> yeah it, it's, uh, it's an experience yeah for sure um big question here uh where do you see yourself in 10 years time yeah i uh, i did this is probably the hardest question you sent me um and i thought about it and do you know what i've always been i followed sort of my gut i've always thought uh you know i've, I've faced challenges when they come along so my answer i think as long as i'm happy as long as i'm healthy as long as I'm enjoying what I'm doing, that that will do. That's a great answer. Um, we are going to start to wrap this up. I've, I've really enjoyed this chat. But so uh, we always finish the show with the same two questions, which I'm going to ask you now. First is, if you have a message for the public, what would it be, Andy? Um, drink only organic milk. No, I'm no. joking. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair. Um, uh, <laughs> I'll get a lot of backlash off that. I mean, one, you I definitely would. Probably not the not the wisest of messages. <laughs> Your food comes from um, then then ask the right people. I think it's probably quite a common message on your podcast is stop listening to the wrong people and yeah. the wrong propaganda. If, if you if you're keen to find out where you, your food's from, um, then yeah, ask the farmer, ask someone within the industry 
um, if you can't be bothered to do that, then just eat British because yeah. there's no better standard of uh, standards in the world. Just eat yeah. British and then you'll be on the pretty good, pretty good road there. Brilliant. And uh, finally, a message for farmers. Oh, for farmers. Um, be positive. Try and push farming in a positive light. But, you know, connect with people and uh, don't do so much moaning. It's, it's a pretty good industry to be in. Um, I know it's tough. I know it can be hard at times. But I think the only way we're going to connect and attract young people into our industry is showing it in a good light. Be positive. Have a smile and connect with young people. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good message for life as well, isn't it, Jerry? Just yeah, be positive, have a smile, and don't mind so much. Um, well, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much, Andy, for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. How do, how do people follow you on social media? Sure, uh, I'm mainly on Instagram, Andy underscore Farrow five, um, or just Andy Farrow. You'll find me. Awesome. Go and give them a follow, guys. Thank you very much for listening. As always, please do subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform you're using, the usual way, um, so you don't miss any future episodes. Um, next time, um, I'm heading down south. We'll be in Oxfordshire, uh, and I'll be speaking with arable farmer Matthew Izzard. Um, So I hope you can join me for that. I'm Ben Eagle. This has been Meet the Farmers, and I hope you all have a great week. <laughs>